welcome to Color Me Green, a podcast focused on making the world a greener place. Do you know what's happening this week? Friday, August 4th, is the two-year anniversary of Color Me Green. I don't have anything exciting planned or anything, but I still wanted to mention it and thank everyone who listens and supports my little podcast. It definitely doesn't feel like it's been two years. For this week's anniversary episode, we are going to chat about something I really don't like or even really understand for that matter, cigarettes. You might just think they are bad for people with all of the chemicals and toxins that are inhaled. However, we are going to get into how they are made, the litter, the pollution, and more. First, let's get into some background. Some history, statistics, and how cigarettes affect people personally, and then we will move into the bigger picture. The tobacco plants commonly used for trade have been utilized by people of the Western Hemisphere for thousands of years before Europeans arrived in 1492. Native Americans in Central and South America cultivated these plants, and they were often associated with religious practices, as shown in Mayan temple carvings. The spread of tobacco from the Americas to the rest of the world can be traced back to October 11, 1492, when Columbus received dried tobacco leaves from the Arawaks, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, and brought the plant back to Europe. The act of smoking the plant likely began around the same time. It was named Nicotiana, again, if I butcher any of these words, please do not come at me. I'm trying after the French ambassador of Portugal, who introduced it to the French court. France and Spain cultivated Nicotiana tobaccum, which originated from seeds in Brazil and Mexico, while Portugal and England grew Nicotiana rustica, with seeds coming from Florida and Virginia. Although some claims were made about tobacco use in China before this time, there is no solid evidence for it. However, various early societies independently discovered the effects of nicotine, suggesting that tobacco was widely distributed at least throughout the Americas. Tobacco became widely grown, smoked, and chewed by different cultures, becoming a significant source of income from Columbus's time to the present day. The modern history of tobacco began with the invention of the cigarette machine, in the mid-19th century, patented by James Bonsack in 1880. Another factor that contributed to the popularity of cigarette smoking was the concern over the spread of tuberculosis through the spitting of smokeless tobacco. Since the 1920s, cigarettes have dominated global tobacco consumption with cigars, pipes, and chewing tobacco making up smaller proportions. For the following information, according to the CDC, A current smoker is defined as a person who reported smoking at least 100 cigarettes during their lifetime and who, at the time of their research, reported smoking every day or some days. According to the CDC, cigarette smoking remains the leading cause of preventable disease, disability, and death in the United States, accounting for more than 480,000 deaths per year, or one in five deaths. In 2021, nearly 12 of every 100 U.S. adults over the age of 18 currently smoked cigarettes. With this, it's estimated that 28.3 million adults in the U.S. currently smoke cigarettes and more than 16 million Americans live with a smoking-related disease. And just a few statistics for you. Current smokers are higher among men, with about 13 of every 100 men and 10 out of every 100 women. Smoking is higher among people with a lower annual household income than those with higher incomes. 
Smoking is highest in the Midwest and the South and lowest in the West. And this one doesn't really surprise me. Smoking is highest among people who are divorced or separated and lowest with those who are married or living with a partner. Smoking has a profound impact on health, leading to various diseases and impairments affecting nearly every part of the body. Over 16 million Americans suffer from smoking-related diseases. The consequences of smoking include the development of cancer, heart disease, stroke, lung disease, diabetes, and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or COPD. Smoking also increases the risk of tuberculosis, certain eye diseases, and immune system issues, including rheumatoid arthritis. Even those who do not smoke but are exposed to secondhand smoke are not spared from its detrimental effects. Around 41,000 non-smoking adults and 400 children lose their lives each year due to secondhand smoke exposure. Among adults, secondhand smoke is linked to stroke, lung cancer, and coronary heart disease. Children exposed to secondhand smoke face an increased risk of sudden infant death syndrome, acute respiratory infections, middle ear infections, more severe asthma, respiratory symptoms, and impaired lung growth. Now that we are aware of some of the health risks, I want to dive deeper into a few of them so we have a better understanding of how exactly these certain toxins are impacting smokers' bodies and how these issues may be prevented. Let's start with cancer. According to the CDC, cancer refers to diseases in which abnormal cells divide out of control and are able to invade other tissues. Cancer cells can spread to other parts of the body through the blood and lymphatic systems, which help the body get rid of toxins. There are more than 100 different types of cancers, most of which are named for the organ or type of cell in which they start. Lung cancer, for example, begins in the lungs, and laryngeal, I think I'm saying that right, cancer begins in the larynx or the voice box. A few symptoms can include the following. A thickening or lump in any part of the body, weight loss or gain for no reason, a sore that doesn't heal, hoarseness or a cough that doesn't go away, difficulty swallowing, discomfort after eating, and feeling weak or very tired. Now, how does cigarette smoke relate to cancer? Smoking can lead to the development of cancer and impede the body's ability to combat it. The harmful substances present in cigarette smoke can compromise the immune system, making it difficult for the body to effectively eliminate cancer cells. As a result, these cancer cells continue to grow without being stopped. The toxic elements in tobacco smoke can damage and alter the DNA of cells. DNA serves as the cell's instruction manual for growth and function. When DNA is damaged, cells can start growing uncontrollably, leading to the formation of cancerous tumors. For many years, medical professionals have been aware of the strong link between smoking and lung cancer. Even today, nearly 9 out of 10 cases of lung cancer are caused by smoking cigarettes. Surprisingly, the risk of lung cancer has not decreased despite smoking fewer cigarettes, probably due to changes in cigarette manufacturing and the composition of chemicals used, which we will go into later. Though treatments for lung cancer are advancing, it remains the leading cause of cancer-related deaths in both men and women. Over 7,300 non-smokers in the U.S. are diagnosed with lung cancer annually due to being exposed to secondhand smoke, which includes both the smoke inhaled by smokers and the smoke from the burning end of a cigarette. Smoking can trigger cancer in various parts of the body, 
including the blood, bladder, colon, esophagus, kidney, pelvis, larynx, liver, mouth, throat, pancreas, stomach, trachea, lungs, and any other area. Even though we aren't discussing it necessarily, I think it's important to note that smokeless tobacco, like chewing tobacco, is also a cause of cancer, affecting areas such as the esophagus, mouth, and throat, and pancreas. Quitting smoking reduces the chances of developing cancers of the lungs, mouth, throat, esophagus, and larynx. Within five years of quitting, the likelihood of developing cancer in the mouth, throat, esophagus, and bladder is reduced 50%. Ten years after quitting, the risk of dying from lung cancer decreases by 50%. If no one smoked, approximately one-third of cancer-related deaths in the U.S. would be prevented. Next, we have heart disease and stroke. These are both cardiovascular, meaning heart and blood vessel diseases, or CVDs. Heart disease includes various heart-related conditions with coronary heart disease, also known as coronary artery disease, being the most prevalent type in the U.S. This condition involves the narrowing of blood vessels responsible for carrying blood to the heart. Some of the symptoms include chest pain, a heart attack which results from a blockage in the blood flow to the heart, leading to damage or death of a certain section of the heart muscle. Heart failure, which is when the heart is unable to pump sufficient blood and oxygen to support other organs. And arrhythmia, which is irregular, too fast, or too slow heartbeats. Strokes, on the other hand, occur when there is a blockage in the blood supply to the brain or when a blood vessel in the brain ruptures, leading to the death of brain tissue. This condition can result in various disabilities like paralysis, muscle weakness, speech difficulties, memory loss, and even death. Smoking is a major cause of CBD and causes one in every four CBD deaths. Smoking can contribute to this by the following. Raises triglycerides, a type of fat in your blood, lowers good cholesterol, makes blood sticky and more likely to clot, which can block blood flow to the heart and brain, damages brain cells that line the blood vessels, increases the buildup of plaque in the blood vessels, such as fat, cholesterol, calcium, and other substances, and causes thickening and narrowing of blood vessels. Heart disease and stroke are significant contributors to mortality and disability in the U.S. Many individuals are unaware that they are at high risk for these conditions. The positive aspect is that numerous risk factors associated with heart disease and stroke can be prevented or managed. It is crucial to be aware of your potential risk for heart disease and stroke and take steps to reduce the risk. The ABCs, literally, of heart health offers a good starting point. A for aspirin. While aspirin can help lower the risk of heart disease and stroke, It should not be taken if you suspect a stroke, as it may worsen certain types of strokes. It's essential to consult your doctor before taking aspirin to determine if it is suitable for you. B for blood pressure. Keep your blood pressure under control. C for cholesterol. Manage your cholesterol levels. And S for smoking. Quit smoking if you are a smoker and avoid starting if you don't smoke already. Taking these, as well as other general preventative measures, can have a positive impact on reducing the risk of heart disease and stroke and promoting overall well-being. Lastly, we have COPD. COPD stands for Chronic Obstructive Pulmonary Disease, which is a collection of conditions that obstruct airflow and lead to respiratory difficulties. It includes emphysema, chronic bronchitis, and sometimes asthma. 
With COPD, the airways responsible for carrying air in and out of the lungs are hindered due to one or more of the following reasons. Reduced elasticity in the air sacs and airways leading to limited expansion and contraction. Destruction of the walls between numerous air sacs. Thickening and inflammation of airway walls causing irritation and swelling. Overproduction of mucus potentially leading to blockage and reduced airflow. During the early stages of COPD, symptoms may be absent or mild and could include a persistent cough, commonly known as smoker's cough, shortness of breath, wheezing, and chest tightness. As the disease progresses, more severe symptoms may develop, such as difficulty in breathing or speaking, bluish or grayish lips and fingernails indicating low oxygen levels in the blood, impaired mental alertness, rapid heartbeat, swelling in the feet and ankles, and weight loss. The severity of COPD symptoms is directly related to the extent of lung damage. Continued smoking increases the damage, causing a faster deterioration of lung function. Surprisingly, among 15 million adults with COPD, 39% of them continue to smoke. Smoking accounts for about 8 out of 10 COPD-related deaths, and 1 out of 4 Americans with COPD never smoked cigarettes. Smoking during childhood and teen years can slow how lungs grow and develop, therefore increasing the risk of developing COPD later in life. The most effective approach to avoid COPD is by refraining from smoking altogether. For those who already smoke, the key is to quit. Consult your doctor to explore various programs and products designed to help you quit. Additionally, it is crucial to steer clear of secondhand smoke, which originates from burning tobacco products like cigarettes, cigars, or pipes, and the inhaled breath of individuals who smoke. Now we are going to take a look at the production of cigarettes and how they are made. I looked up a very nice diagram that shows all the parts that make up a cigarette, and there looks to be like six different sections. First, we have the filter. This is typically made up of bundles of thin hair-like fibers designed to trap smoke but only stops a small portion of the smoke from being inhaled. The filter and ventilation holes that we will get into in most cigarettes may lead smokers to inhale more deeply, pulling dangerous chemicals further into their lungs. Next, we have the tipping paper, which wraps around the filter, connecting it to the rest of the cigarette. Then there's the ventilation holes I mentioned. If unblocked, these dilute inhaled smoke with air. Manufacturers have chosen to place these holes where they are, making them highly ineffective. Because of their location, most smokers unknowingly block them with their fingers or lips. Next, there's the cigarette paper. This holds the tobacco filler. Manufacturers add chemicals to the paper to control how fast the cigarette burns. Smokers inhale everything that is burned. The tobacco filler, the paper, everything. Then we have the tobacco filler. This is made up of chopped tobacco leaves, stems, reprocessed pieces, and scraps. Dangerous chemicals can form in and be deposited on tobacco during the processing of the leaves. Other dangerous chemicals are created when the tobacco filler is burned. The last section is the additives. Manufacturers can add hundreds of ingredients to a cigarette to make the smoking more appealing or to mask the harshness of the smoke. Certain additives, like sugars, can form cancer-causing chemicals when they are burned. Sugar and flavor additives can change the taste of smoke and make it easier to inhale but no less harmful. 
Ammonia and other chemicals added to tobacco may increase the absorption of nicotine, which is addictive. Some additives are bronchodilators that could increase the amount of dangerous chemicals absorbed into the lungs. According to the American Lung Association, there are approximately 600 ingredients in cigarettes. When burned, more than 7,000 are created. Many of these chemicals are found in consumer products that have warning labels. While the public is warned about the danger of the poisons in these products, there is no such warning for the toxins in tobacco smoke. They listed a ton of the chemicals found in tobacco and where else they are found, but in the sake of time, we're only going to list a few. Acetone, found in nail polish remover. Ammonia, a common household cleaner. Arsenic, used in rat poison. Butane, I think that's how you say that, used in lighter fluid. Cadmium, again, not sure on the pronunciation, is an active component in battery acid formaldehyde, an embalming fluid, carbon monoxide released in car exhaust fumes, methanol, a main component in rocket fuel, tar, the material used for paving roads, and nicotine, which is used as an incesticide. If that list right there doesn't make you stop smoking or the thought of doing it, I don't know what will. Now moving on to the environmental impacts of the tobacco lifestyle, there are six phases we are going to cover. Phase one, growing tobacco. Phase two, tobacco curing. Phase three is tobacco manufacturing. Phase four is transportation. Phase five is the smoke, emissions, and greenhouse gases. And phase six is disposal and waste. According to the National Library of Medicine, in 2011, approximately 4.2 million hectares of land were dedicated to tobacco cultivation, making up less than 1% of the total arable land worldwide. However, certain low- and middle-income countries have experienced a recent rise in the proportion of arable land used for growing tobacco. For example, China, Malawi, and the United Republic of Tanzania have seen nearly a doubling of such land usage since the 1960s. This expansion of tobacco farming has had severe environmental repercussions, including deforestation, loss of biodiversity, soil erosion and degradation, water pollution, and increased atmospheric carbon dioxide levels. The cultivation of tobacco typically involves heavy usage of chemicals like pesticides, fertilizers, and growth regulators. These substances can contaminate drinking water sources through runoff from tobacco fields. Research indicates that tobacco crops deplete soil nutrients, absorbing more nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium compared to other major crops. This depletion is further exasperated by certain agricultural practices, such as topping and desuckering, which increase nicotine content and leafy yields. In low- and middle-income countries, land previously utilized for substance farming may be redirected to grow tobacco as a cash crop. This shift has been encouraged by extensive lobbying and investments from multi-international tobacco companies such as Philip Morris International, British American Tobacco, and Japan Tobacco International as well as leaf buyers such as Universal Corporation and Alliance One International. Market liberalization measures have also played a role in promoting the expansion of tobacco agriculture in these countries. 
Due to limited legislative and economic capacities, many of these nations struggle to resist the influence and investments multinational tobacco companies resulting in both short-term economic benefits for some farmers and long-term adverse effects on social, economic, health, and environmental aspects. To address concerns regarding unfair labor practices in tobacco agriculture, tobacco control advocates have been collaborating with tobacco farmers and farm workers to ensure collaborative bargaining rights, fair wages, and equitable leaf prices. Child laborers, minorities, and migrant workers involved in tobacco farming face particular risks of nicotine toxicity, also known as green tobacco illness, due to handling tobacco leaves without proper protection during harvest and processing. The expansion of tobacco agriculture has raised significant environmental and social issues, necessitating a collective effort to find sustainable solutions and ensure the well-being of both agricultural practices and the people involved in the industry. In 1995, the global tobacco industry was responsible for generating more than 2 million tons of solid waste, 300,000 tons of non-recyclable waste containing nicotine, and 200,000 tons of chemical waste. Had the annual cigarette production remained consistent over the almost three decades, side note, it's actually increased from 5 to 6.3 trillion cigarettes per year, tobacco factories would have accumulated a total of 45 million tons of solid waste, 6 million tons of nicotine waste, and nearly 4 million tons of chemical waste during this period. Next, we have product consumption, which we already discussed the health effects, so I won't get too much into that. But I do want to note that while we know what happens to smokers and people who get secondhand smoke, the potential health impacts of residual chemicals in environments where smoking has occurred has not been fully measured yet. But this is an interesting thing to think about. If you live in a home where someone was an avid smoker, you can clean the house all you want, but those chemicals are still there in some form or another. Cigarettes are typically lit using matches or gas-filled lighters. To put this into perspective, if one wooden match is used to light two cigarettes, the annual global consumption of 6 trillion cigarettes would cause a destruction of approximately 9 million trees to produce 3 trillion matches. Additionally, the manufacturing and disposal of the plastic, metal, and butane components used in lighters also have negative environmental impacts. Cigarettes continue to pose a significant risk for accidental fires and related fatalities. In the UK and Northern Ireland, cigarettes were responsible for 7% of fires in 2013 and 2014, making them the leading cause of fire-related deaths accounting for 34 deaths per 1,000 fires. In the U.S., cigarettes caused 8 to 10% of all fires over the past decade, averaging around 90,000 fires per year and remained the primary cause of fire-related deaths, accounting for 540 out of 2,855 total deaths in 2011. These fires resulted in $621 million in direct property damage and caused 1,640 civilian injuries. The implementation of regulations in Canada and the U.S. mandating cigarettes to self-extinguish led to a 30% reduction in the fire-related deaths from 2003 to 2011. Cigarette butts are the most commonly discarded form of waste worldwide, 
frequently found as litter on beaches and water edges. The primary component of these butts are the non-biodegradable cellulose acetate filter attached to most manufactured cigarettes. Annually, trillions of filter-tipped butts are discarded with a total weight of approximately 175,200 tons, assuming each filter weighs 170 milligrams. Cigarette butts also pose environmental risks due to hazardous substances they contain, like the arsenic, lead, nicotine, and many others we previously discussed. These substances leach into marine environments and soil from discarded butts, potentially affecting the quality of drinking water. While the exact environmental impact remains to be calculated, the sheer quantity of discarded butts raises concerns about possible contamination and bioaccumulation in the food chain. With 6 trillion cigarettes produced each year, there are approximately 300 billion packages made for tobacco products. Assuming 20 cigarettes per pack, this amounts to 1.8 million tons of packaging waste, consisting of paper, ink, cellophane, foil, and glue, including waste from cartons and boxes used for distribution. The total annual solid post-consumption waste reaches at least 2 million tons, surpassing the estimated 1.83 million tons of plastic waste from water bottles. Electronic cigarettes, on the other hand, present their own disposal challenges. They may contain batteries requiring special handling, as well as non-biodegradable chemicals and packaging. Concerns have been raised by the USFEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, regarding the flammability and lack of regulation for electronic cigarettes and their components. The last phase we have is emissions and greenhouse gases. Tobacco smoking directly results in the release of 2.6 million tons of carbon dioxide and around 5.2 million tons of methane. Research from 66 low- and middle-income countries revealed that tobacco cultivation and curing have led to considerable deforestation from 1990 to 1995, accounting for roughly 2,000 hectares of 5% of each country's estimated deforestation during that five-year period. On a global scale, approximately 13 million hectares of forest are lost each year due to agricultural or natural causes, with at least 200,000 hectares attributed to tobacco agriculture and curing. This deforestation ranks as the second largest human-made source of carbon dioxide emissions, or approximately 20%, following fossil fuel combustion. It is estimated that deforestation related to tobacco production contributes to nearly 5% of total greenhouse gas emissions. Deforestation is actually something I want to do a completely separate episode on eventually. Despite known efforts to create skepticism among the public and policymakers about human-induced climate change, 24 tobacco companies have promoted their initiatives to reduce carbon emissions. For instance, British American Tobacco claimed in 2006 that producing 1 million cigarettes emits 0.79 tons of carbon dioxide. Please just remember that just because a company says something is eco-friendly or they are carbon neutral or anything, unless they have the facts to prove it, a lot of companies greenwash as they just want to be on trend with a sustainable movement that some honest companies are making. And by the way, 
I don't mean to say that as being sustainable is a trend because it's not. It should just be and is its own thing. Personally, if you do your research, which I'm sure most people won't do because of the fact that it actually takes time to do, but you can tell when a company is actually truthful in their efforts to be more sustainable in their products and practices. If you want to know what to look for and want to learn more about greenwashing, go back and listen to episode 6. We talk all about it. Anyway, back to the episode. Based on the calculation of 0.79 tons of CO2, global cigarette manufacturing would result in the annual release of 4.74 million tons of carbon dioxide. However, other analyses, I think that's a word, argue that this estimation significantly underestimates the actual greenhouse gas impact from tobacco cultivation, manufacturing, and transportation. So now that we have discussed the harmful effects of cigarettes through their production, consumption, and post-consumption, I want to discuss what is being done to try and improve or lessen those efforts by the use of certain regulations. Countries worldwide have enacted strict regulations to discourage smoking and to protect public health, some of those including cigarette packing regulations. These measures aim to inform consumers about the health risks of smoking and reduce the appeal of cigarette packaging. Common steps include adding graphic health warnings, covering a significant portion of packs, and implementing plain packaging with standardized font style and colors. Misleading descriptors like light or mild are also banned. Cigarette advertising regulations. To curb smoking promotion, many countries have imposed total bans on cigarette advertising across different media, including TV, radio, print, and billboards. Online advertising restrictions have been extended to curb digital marketing. Additionally, tobacco companies are prohibited from sponsoring events to avoid associating smoking with positive imagery. And as someone in the marketing field, I just realized I have never seen a cigarette company sponsor anything like an alcohol company would. And now I know why. Last, we have smoking in public places regulations. Governments have recognized the dangers of secondhand smoke and have implemented smoking bans in public places. This includes indoor smoking in places like offices, restaurants, and public transportation. Some regions have also imposed outdoor smoking bans in specific areas such as parks and beaches. To balance the needs of smokers and non-smokers, designated smoking areas have been established in certain regions. And just thinking back for a moment, anyone born, I don't know, before like 2000 or so maybe? When I was younger, I remember there were smoking and non-smoking sections like in restaurants and stuff which is crazy to think about. I totally forgot about that and then realized, what was the point? It's all in the same building and there's still smoke inside, but either way, glad they finally put up regulations to protect non-smokers from the secondhand smoke we probably all got from that anyway. I think that's about all for today's episode. I hope you learned something from this. I think we all just need to be conscious of what we put into our bodies and the chemicals we ingest as well as thinking more about the impact of the products we use daily and how we discard of them. I'm not a smoker, but I think of it this way. Someone who smokes and throws their butts on the ground probably doesn't think too much about the impact that that one small action that they probably do every time or near every time they smoke. But then it's important to think about how many times they're littering. 
and how often every other smoker in the world does the same thing. Collectively, it's a huge impact. Same goes for anything we discuss. So I want to end on this note that I've brought up in past episodes. The greatest threat to our planet is the belief that someone else will fix it. But what can I do? I'm only one person, said 7 billion people. Never doubt the power of one. One action, one choice, one person. And its ability to change the world. Or better yet, what Albert Einstein said. The world will not be destroyed by those who do evil, but by those who watch them without doing anything. It's like the bystander effect. I'm watching it happen. I know it's happening. But I'm not going to do anything because someone else will, right? But just imagine the change that could happen if you did start and joined all the other people that are doing something. Better yet, think of all the people that might join you if they see you also doing something to help. Don't be a bystander, be a leader. I want to thank you for listening to today's episode of Color Me Green. New episodes come out on Wednesdays and hopefully each one has something you can take away and learn from. If you want to request a certain topic to discuss, please feel free to message me on the show's Instagram at Color Me Green Podcast, linked in the show notes. If you loved today's episode, please make sure to leave a review and let others know what you think of the show. One of the best ways to help change the world is to share this episode with a friend and let them also learn what they can do to live more sustainably. Always remember to reduce, reuse, recycle, and live green.